the next U.S. men's national team match is about a month away and the MLS teams take notice. Jurgen Klinsmann plans to call on your best players while you are in the middle of a thick playoff race. This is the SBI Show. I am Garrett Cleverly. With me, as always, is Ivis Glarsap. What's up, buddy? What's going on, Garrett? Nothing much, dude. Just uh, enjoying us recording at a normal time, so it's quite nice. Yes, it's only 9.40 p.m. Eastern, and yet, and that's, what, 6.40 p.m. Pacific, and yet Garrett's still yawning. It's <laughs> You're pulling those midday ragers now that the season's over. I did yawn before you recorded this show, but I won't yawn during the show. I'll stay awake, Ivis, so don't you worry, okay? You gotta stop hitting those happy hours so hard. I, how do, okay, here's my question. <laughs> I work till, like, 5, right? And I always see these, like, and by the time it takes me to get home, it's, like, 5.30, 5.40. And I always see these, like, advertisements for restaurants that are, like, happy hour till 5, happy hour till 6. How do people get off work, and what jobs do they have? I need one of those jobs where I can go make happy hour at a normal time. Well, you know, some places are a little more, uh, give their employees more freedom. And maybe some of those happy hours are for, you know, people who are retired and, and students and that kind of thing. So, not the nine to five grinders like yourself or, or the, you know, 24 hour grinders like myself. <laughs> I work. <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> I know. I need to go back to being a student. I don't think I realized how good I had it until after you graduated from college. Then you realize just how much you procrastinated and slacked off in college and how much free time you had. We also still have a lot to learn, so that's another good reason. Yeah, that too. Yeah, <laughs> student again. Yeah, but uh, no, but it's uh, you know, just tell you what, this weekend's gonna be pretty good. Uh, yeah, some pretty good good uh, MLS matches, and and that playoff buzz is starting to build as as the the races get tight. I'll actually be down in uh, Chester, Pennsylvania, on Saturday for Union Red Bulls, uh, one of the real big matches this weekend. I'll actually be taking my family down. Uh, you know, I took my sons to the uh, Union Earthquakes game, and uh, they had a great time. And now. They want to go back, and uh, as it turns out, my oldest son is claiming the Red Bulls now as his favorite team. Ooh. So so he wanted to go to that game. And, of course, my younger son, because my oldest son is now a Red Bulls fan, my younger son is a Union fan. So uh, wait, I'm actually wait, gonna, wait, are you serious? Uh, oh, yeah, dead serious. So That's hilarious. My, uh, yeah, so I'll – well, part of it's – my my older son had been to Red Bulls games before, uh-huh. so, you know, I guess, you know, he, he has more connection there. Also, red is his favorite color. My younger son is just, I guess, he just wants to be a contrarian, but also, you know, maybe that was his first MLS game, the, uh, the Union game. So whatever the whatever the case is, I'll be taking the both of them, and they'll each have their uh, their gear on. One will have his Red Bulls gear, one will have his Union gear. Do you, do your wait? Do your boys fight? Like, is your is your younger son purposely choosing the Union because your older son wants the Red Bulls? Well, that's what little brothers do, right? Little brothers want to be uh, different than their older brothers. So, uh, you know, uh, I guess I, I think I, it's I, a little of that. And I think it's also he had such a great time at the Union game when he went the last time that they just that just triggered it. So either way, it's fine. At least that way, actually, it works out well for me because that way, you know, the people if I if I'm you know I'm at, I go to the game, uh, they'll they'll be with my wife. Uh, I'll be up in the press box, but uh, at least if anyone sees me at the game, if both of my kids were wearing say Red Bulls gear, I, I'm sure I would get some crap from Union fans and vice versa. Yeah. If I showed up with both my kids wearing Union gear. I'm sure some Red Bull fans would be crap. So at least it, it, it's split down the middle, makes things easy. There is no uh, no affiliation one way or the other. I am not a fan of either team. Uh, Stop it, sure Ivis. Stop a lot it. Of people, a lot of people for years have insisted I, I'm a fan of Team X and Team Y, and then I hate Team X and Team Y. But uh, no, I'm not a fan of any of them, but my kids are, and uh, they, I think they're going to be in for a great game on Saturday. Yeah, I'm trying to think of that now. See, I'm, you know, I'm one of four boys, so I guess 
it was always two and two. Like me and brother number three always teamed up with brothers two and four. So I guess I guess you sometimes go against each other. I'm not trying to think. It's just natural. It's yeah. just, just and as sibling rivalries, but you know, it should be fun. It should be fun. Yeah, again. Be a good time. All right. Well, we we got to bring it back to the show. We have tons to talk about college soccer. We'll get a little bit into that with the weekend preview. USL Pro Playoffs kick off this weekend. Also, as Ivis just said, Major League Soccer playoff races are starting to kind of wind down here, kind of get into the thick of things. We'll talk a little bit about the Americans abroad, some also general Major League Soccer news. But before we get into all of that, as I just mentioned in the lead into the show, Jurgen Klinsmann went on record, did a Q&A on ussoccer.com. You can check that out. But he went out and said that he plans on calling his best team. I mean, obvious, he's going to call in his best players. The matches fall in international friendlies. But I think the biggest thing about this is Jurgen's Klinsmann, Ivis, has obviously, you know, with the last friendly, has you know expressed his disappointment with the Major League Soccer schedule. So, you know, you're going to see some guys who are in the thick of things, thick of the playoff race, getting a lot of minutes called into these matches. And, you know, they might underperform when they return to the major league soccer clubs when their teams are going to need them the most well i mean that's uh there's a risk involved when you when you calling guys into games but i you know i i don't know about the whole you know oh they could get hurt i mean they get hurt doing anything they get hurt training they can get hurt walking down the street it is what it is but uh i'm sure mls teams are not happy but at a certain point you know klinsman just has to worry about him his program his team yep uh, it, it, the schedule is what it is, and 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 it's 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 not really fair to Klinsman to have to have it to keep, uh, you know, uh, not calling in his best team, and it's just it's just a unique situation the way, uh, with the way the the generations have, have happened and the way the the, the player movement shifts have, have happened now, where uh, more of the current top players are in MLS, and that's kind of a, a new a new uh, a new thing now. So now you have more and more of this conflict with MLS not abiding by the FIFA calendar and playing during these FIFA breaks. So Klinsman, obviously, in September, he uh, he left uh, almost all the MLS players uh, home, but he can't do that for the entire year, right? I mean, he can't do it for the no- the October windows, uh, the November window. You know, that's, that's going to be an interesting one because, I mean, I think maybe there's a little more leeway there because, in theory— Maybe he can call in guys who've been eliminated from the playoffs, guys who didn't make the playoffs. Uh, there's a little more wiggle room for him, but I can understand in October, you know, he has to take a look at these guys. And uh, I don't have a problem with it. I'm sure, obviously, some MLS teams are going to have a big problem with it. Uh, to give you an example, on October 10th, that's a Friday, when the U.S. will play Ecuador, Sporting Kansas City will be taking on Chicago Fire. So you could see possibly Graham Zuzzi and Matt Beasler out of that match. And then also on that night, Seattle will be taking on Vancouver. You can see Clint Dempsey and DeAndre Yedlin. Two big matches on that day. Yeah, I mean it's gonna it's gonna be interesting to see what what Klinsman does. I mean, obviously, you know he he can say that now that he wants the full full strength team, but it doesn't mean yeah. he's not gonna you know try to you know finesse it. Uh, maybe take a look at certain guys for one game, not both. Uh, try to work around the schedule to some degree. I mean, I, I you know I don't I don't know if. Uh, I don't know if he's completely against that that type of arrangement. I mean, I think I think he's a reasonable guy, and I think if if you have a case where, you know, maybe a team is you know Team X is playing Team Y, and Team X has national teamers, and Team Y has doesn't have national teamers, you could kind of you could kind of see maybe him deciding, all right, I should probably, you know, give one of these teams a, a break and maybe not call you know mm-hmm. two three guys from the same team. Maybe I just call in one guy. Uh, so that one, you know, uh, yeah, like you said, Seattle Vancouver the same day. Uh, 
and that, and that's obviously going to be a big game. Uh, Vancouver's is fighting for the playoff playoff places. Uh, then you have the Tuesday game down in Florida, USA Honduras, which comes just two days before mm-hmm. uh, Houston, New England, and uh, three days before Portland RSL. That's already a little further away. Uh, but if you're the Galaxy, you're playing on Sunday. FC Dallas, LA Galaxy. Um, Omar Gonzalez is an example. I mean, is Omar? You know, Omar's, Omar Gonzalez is probably going to miss the really big game there. FC Dallas against the Galaxy. Mm-hmm. So uh, it, it's a tough spot. But MLS, the Klinsman has no choice. Klinsman has to do what he can do. He can try to help out when he can, but you know, the, it, it's it's unfair to him to expect him to continue to work around MLS schedule. And he also, Jurgen also went in and he said that he's going to call on some of the guys that had successful performances against the Czech Republic. I mean, I think that goes without saying. I mean, hopefully we'll get to see, you know, American fans could see Joe Jow up in person. I think Mix Discrude should also get a call up Julian Green. So, you know, you're going to see a healthy mix with, with the guys called in uh, to these October friendlies, Ivis. Yeah, you're going to see, obviously, some European-based guys. Um, I, th- I think you're going to see a good number of them because, obviously, uh, they're the guys you can absolutely definitely get, right? Because you don't have to worry about it because it's a fixture date. Um, so I don't know if we're going to see like 10 to 20 MLS guys in the camp. I really don't think we're going to see that far in extreme. But I could see, uh, it, you know, if he wants to be reasonable or, or, or not, maybe that's not the word. If he wants to be generous, maybe he, he limits it to one player per team. Maybe he only goes with a Yedlin. Uh, because, hey, you know what, Dempsey, what's going on with Dempsey? You know, he's an older player. I know he wants to play in Copa America in 2016. But, you know, maybe maybe uh, Klinsman leaves him uh, let, leaves him back and takes only Yedlin. Or or vice versa, leaves Yedlin and takes only Dempsey. Uh, there's only a couple of teams that have that situation. Obviously, you have RSL, KCLA, some of the top teams, obviously. Um, actually, LA, no, LA only has Omar now, Omar Gonzalez. Um, well, there... well, Donovan will be participating in the right. matches. Well, yeah, too. there you go. Well, well, just the one match. Yeah, he's not, that's right. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, maybe so. That's the case where Omar Gonzalez uh, doesn't play in the one game, and then he goes and plays in the other game. So, that, yeah. or what, what, what about a guy like uh, Jazzy Zardis? Does he get called up? Everybody and their mother. <laughs> I know. I, I know. I know. Saying, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. He, he's he's on fire. There's no doubt about it. He's playing out of his mind. Um, he's got to get. A, I think he's got to get a look sooner than January. Um, but yeah, you know, is he is Klinsman really going to bring uh, three Galaxy players uh, to that uh, game? Uh, that's a yes. tough one. That's a tough. He, I, I say no. I don't think he will. I think he'll bring one or two. I don't think he'll bring all three. Um, you know, they, they have, that's a big game. The FC Dallas Galaxy game is a big game. FC Dallas doesn't have anyone, uh, well, that... LA has two big games cause they play FC Dallas on October 12th. And then five days after the Honduras game, LA will be at home against Seattle. Well, that's, yeah, but that's after, Boom. I mean, that's already, that doesn't really mean anything. By then, I'm just saying there's a lot of games. Some guys will be playing. I'm just, I'm just again, pointing we're, that we're, out. That has nothing to do with what we're talking about. We're talking about games that they could miss. And the one game they could miss is a big game. They're playing FC Dallas, L.A. at FC Dallas, huge game. FC, unless of course you know Klinsman decides, all right, I'll bring in Matt Hedges and try to balance it out a little bit. Um, that's gonna be interesting. <laughs> I, I, no, I'm just saying. Right? I know I mean, it's kind of funny though. Imagine like, <laughs> if well, you did. I mean that's not a stretch. That's not a stretch. No, it's not. It's not. About, if you want to talk about just like we're talking about Zardis, everyone's talking about Zardis and how he should get a look. But you know, if you're talking about defenders in MLS. Uh, uh, Matt Hedges has, has to be at the top of the list of young guys who haven't had a look yet. He's the number one defender that in that category. So, you know what? That'd be an interesting one right there. So, uh, hopefully, Klinsman can balance it out. But anyone expecting him to, to you know, 
bring everybody. I know he's saying that, but you know what? Klinsman said things in the past that hasn't haven't quite worked out. I mean, he gets caught out all the time, uh, changing things up. But of he course. can change his mind. I mean, right now he can say what sounds good now, and then later on he'll change his tune and then explain why he had to change his tune. When yeah. the reality is, he probably was always going to do it that way. So yeah, you know what? He's he's a uh, you know he knows what he's doing. He knows how to say the right things and how to play the game and paint this picture of uh, you know it, it's probably. It's easier for him to lay it that lay the lay the smackdown now and say, "Look, I'm bringing who I want. I'll bring everybody, goddammit." Or and then, <laughs> and then and then you know what? And then uh, a month from now, he can be the nice guy and say, "All right, you know what? I'll I'll only take one or two of your guys instead of three, or I'll only take one instead of two. And then you know what? Teams feel a little better then, right? You know, because if you if you don't you know, set that early mark. Then they'll probably complain when you take one or two guys. So uh, you know, it, it's all it's all a little game. And but you know, what, for me, I don't think he's bringing everybody. I know he's saying it, but I don't think he will. One player who probably will not get called up to the friendly is Breck Shea. He underperformed in that Czech Czech Republic match. Excuse me. That's not the reason why we're talking about him. He has now joined Birmingham City on loan. We talked about this a few weeks ago, how we thought it was extremely important for Breck Shea, whose career and development have kind of fallen on some rough times to get some minutes, get some positive minutes. So he's back down in the championship, and Ivis, hopefully this is a spot and a huge opportunity for him to to show the skill level that he has, to show the quality that he has, receive big-time minutes, and, and hopefully return back to Stoke City you know, and, and get some minutes there too. Well, first things first, we have to do a little, have our educational SBI moment. <laughs> What's, oh, God, uh, what's that? For, 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 I said I said Breck Shea right, so I don't, I don't see what the problem is here. You did, you did, you did, you got that one. <laughs> uh, and it's not a big deal, right? It's not a big deal. But, uh, but. in England, in England, <laughs> it, it's pronounced Birmingham, like Birmingham. Like, it's just how they say it, Birmingham City. It's not Birmingham like Alabama. It's uh, Birmingham, England. And the thing is, and, and I'm not picking on you, Garrett, because I'm sure, I am sure, the majority of American soccer fans, uh, more American soccer fans say it Birmingham than Birmingham. Uh, That's so because they have all those people like ham. You know, like Christmas ham, you know, ham with Thanksgiving dinner, you know. Pro- probably not. You know, but, uh, you know, West, <laughs> you know, West ham, you know. Okay. Right. Well, that's two different. That's two words. It's two words. <laughs> I know. I'm messing around. Uh, I'm, well, I'll tell you what. I, what I, well, the thing is, I mean, we have 120 British announcers doing soccer in America at this point. So you would think Birmingham would start to kind of slide into the American uh, lexicon. But uh, just for everyone out there, it's Birmingham City. Uh, what can you say? We're, we're glu- our, our language is, you know, it, it was the English. It was their language first. So. We're, we're, we're doomed. I think we're all, you know, my main point, I think we're all going to end up having a British accent in the next 20 years. Ew, uh, why, why would we want that? I'm not saying we want it, but Ugh. I mean, Lord, a, a, you can't turn a soccer game on in America without it being having one or two British announcers. And I, I, it, it, it's, it's, get it, it's seeping in. It's seeping in. It's definitely seeping into the writing. I can tell you that because I read writing and like if I had a penny for every time I see someone throwing in the British lingo, I'm like, Really, man? Like, come on. It is what it is. It's the world we live in. Back to the point. Oh, my God. That that <laughs> that, yeah, off that, rant, that rant was brought to you by Ivis Galarsev's patriotism. That wasn't even a rant. That was a little educational teaching moment. Teaching <laughs> all right, moment. all right, all right. Rex Shea needs minutes. Yes. He needs minutes. And you know what? Let's stop with the, all right, hey, if he gets minutes, he'll go to Stoke. He'll be great. <laughs> he'll do that. Like, let's give it up already. Let's just say, okay, you know what? He's a Birmingham Let's say if he can get, if he can actually get playing time, if he can actually make an impact and have a good season at Birmingham. Let's stop talking about Stoke. Mark Hughes does not want him. 
Mark Hughes has no interest in playing him. Let's just deal with it. Mark Hughes didn't buy him. Mark Hughes didn't bring him in. And I think if his contract wasn't so big, if his if his uh, wages weren't so high, he 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 would have gone on a, a loan move in the summer. But his, his his he makes so much money. And again, it's it's the Premier League. Mostly everybody makes a ton of money, comparatively speaking, to other other leagues in in Europe. Which is why you get players who will go from a top team in Italy or Germany and they'll go play for like a mid to lower table English team because the money, the money is so much bigger in England. So, uh, but luckily for Shea, he was able to get himself in a, a loan after the deadline. Mm-hmm. And this, and this loan is for uh, all the way up to the new year, at least. So, uh, you know, good for him. He can settle in, get his three and a half months in. Uh, there are some Americans there. So hopefully that'll help him as well. He, he, Jonathan Spector. I'm yes. Sure Jonathan you know, Spector, I, the man. I'm sure he knows him well, and and then you have uh, Will Packwood as well. Although Packwood has has been spending time with the, the U21s this year, but still, I mean, I think it's a good environment. Birmingham is a better team than Barnsley was last year. Obviously, he went on loan to Barnsley, was playing regularly there. We know about the incident when he went in the stands to with, to help a teammate out, and you know whatever happened with him doing the gesture, and and it became a mess. Right, that was that was a pretty ugly moment. Uh, but you know what? You move on. You live and you learn. Now he's at Birmingham. He's got to get on the field, get some regular playing time, and let's give him this year to hopefully get some regular minutes. Hopefully it works out at Birmingham to the point where they keep him for the whole year because he, he just needs playing time. He just needs playing time. Enough with the being happy to sit on a bench and just collect a check in Stoke City. <laughs> it, like his career, it, I mean, it's – it, it needs a restart button. It, not, a restart, not a restart, but it needs like a refresh. Yeah, jump start. Yeah, it needs a jump start because you know what? You can't waste. You can't waste all these years. You can't waste these precious years in this in in the development of your career. Uh, and that that's a good step. It's a great step for him. Hopefully, Klinsman, it, it, I, I'll give Klinsman credit in this. I think he's smart enough to know that he there is no point in calling uh, Brexley up anytime soon again. No, let, let him focus on club soccer. Let him focus on getting minutes at Birmingham, and, and and don't even think about calling Shea in until the Gold Cup, right? Because he needs to worry about the club, the, the, his club minutes. He needs to worry about it. Uh, it can't, it can't be. I don't want to say charity, but like he can't keep calling him up just because he because he likes him. Like uh, you know, he 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 thinks he's gonna strike gold with this guy. And it's like no, you know, he he's. He's not that good right now. His form, his confidence just are not there. Stop calling him in. Let him get his head on straight. Let him find himself, find his game on the club level. Give him this year. And then if come May, when the roll call comes in to start talking Gold Cup, if you look at him and you see that he's played throughout the year and he's gotten regular minutes, Mm -hmm. had an impact, showed good form, then you call him in. But if it's another year of, of not getting many starts, not getting many minutes, you know, his loan only lasts half the season and he goes back to Stoke and gets buried there again, then no, he won't be a part of the Gold Cup. Keeping our focus in England, some bad news did come out. Jeff Cameron looks like he's out for a few weeks. English reports are saying that he could be out for two weeks. That is due to having a sports hernia surgery. I'm, I don't want to say sports hernia. No, no wonder it's sports hernia. It's hernia surgery. Apologize for that. That was on Wednesday. Uh, you know, tough break for Jeff Cameron, but uh, you know, hopefully, obviously, he comes back and uh, you know gets back and, and competes for minutes at Stoke City. Yeah, it's a tough blow for him because obviously, he you know he had already lost his starting job, and now it's setting him back even further. The the race to get back in, he's not going anywhere. 
no, you know, the tra- the transfer window came and went. He didn't get a move. I know he wanted to make a move. Um, it's a tough spot for him. He needs to get in there and he needs to start getting regular playing time again. Uh, and uh, you know, unlike Shea, I think Cameron is someone that if you're if you're a Klinsman, you want to once he's healthy, maybe you look at him in 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 November. Uh, October is probably too soon uh, for him coming back from the injury. Yeah, but uh, you know what? Hopefully for the U.S. team, hopefully he st- he gets some minutes. And, and finds his way back. He has time, though, right? Because he doesn't have to prove himself. He's no. a known commodity. You know what? There's a long time between now and the Gold Cup. So he is someone who, uh, you know, needs to sort himself out and try to get on the field. If anything, maybe he gets a move in January. Maybe Stoke City is in a, in a different position in, in January where they're open to moving him, open mm-hmm. to selling him. So, you know what? That one bears watching, but he, he has to get back on the field. Yeah. yeah. Two, see, I, I see, you know, they say two weeks. Two weeks turns into three, turns into four until you finally, you know, get back at the full fitness. Uh, some even more bad news. Caleb Stinko, the U.S. U-20 star, uh, just suffered. Uh, he tore his ACL in training. Um, he's the uh, young player that just signed at the Bundesliga for Freiburg. Ivis, this is, uh, I mean, he's a young kid, so hopefully he comes back from this. But, you know, obviously, a, you know, a big setback for him. Right. Obviously, a big blow for him. He's a, he's a young American player uh, over there in Europe. Uh, you know, he's a young player. He's only we're talking, what, 21 years old. Um, you know, someone who, when you look at, at the, the next kind of World Cup cycle, not World Cup cycle, the next Olympic cycle. He's someone that, you know, people definitely uh, talked about. I'm pretty sure he's eligible. Uh, 23 is, yes, mm-hmm. he's, he's eligible for the Olympic cycle. He was someone that was in that conversation. Uh, and now, you know, it's a setback. It's a huge setback for him. Uh, although he had made progress last year, he, had, he has been making progress in Germany. So that one, you got to put him on the back burner and, and hopefully he can recover. We do have some good news, Ivis, because we may see the debuts of certain players. Julian Green may get some playing time this weekend. It's going to be nice for him to get regular club minutes. <laughs> Wait, what, <laughs> what are they What are they going to do? Uh, make their debut. They? Sorry. <laughs> I'm all over the place. <laughs> did, did, I, thought, I, I See, at this point, I don't know if you're doing it on purpose or, or, or what. But, I'm all but, over uh, the place today. <laughs> yeah, I, I, that was like, yeah. I was trying to think what accent could, could make you say that, but... Uh, but yeah, you know what? There's some guys that uh, definitely Julian Green this weekend. I know a lot of Americans are going to be uh, hoping to get a glimpse of him in, in club action at, at Hamburg and see if he can get mm-hmm. some minutes. Uh, that's a big one. That's a, this is a big year for him. Uh, obviously, Klinsman, I think, uh, it, it wants to kind of fast track him in and, and, and make him a starter. But he has to earn the minutes and, and get the seasoning. Uh, I'm sure Klinsman believes in him as far as the qualities that he has. Obviously, he brought him to the World Cup, put him in, in the World Cup. Uh, but uh, I like the move, and, and I'm looking forward to see if he's going to get regular time, where he's going to be used, how he's going to be used. And then obviously you have someone like Freddie Adu who's still waiting for his debut. Uh, you know, in, it, it, it's it's a tough situation. Uh, there's been talk of, of injuries. You know, he had a hamstring. Is it the hamstring or is it just the team isn't rate him? So at this point, it's tough to say what's going on there. But you you, you hope that he breaks through at some point to start showing what he can do. Well, time to move over to the American side of things. We have some Major League Soccer news to talk about. Don Garber just extended his contract with Major League Soccer, inking a new five-year deal. As we all know, he took over in 1999 when the league was in shambles, but now the league is, is where it's at. It's growing. Everything's going well for the league. You know, they do have the some things, Ivis, as, as we all know, making up rules on the fly type of thing. But, you know, with Don Garber, you know, at the helm of Major League Soccer, you know, you have to, you know, expect the league to continue to grow at the rate it's going at. 
No, it's a, it's great news. It's also great to hear that he's cancer free. Yes, that too. Uh, he he did uh, he had been undergoing cancer treatments, and uh, sounds like he's got a he's healthy, healthy again, and has has battled through that. Uh, he's I know there's some mixed feelings about what he's done as a as a commissioner. Mixed feelings uh, among the entire American soccer community because not not within MLS because people who follow MLS closely uh, consider him a, a great commissioner for what he's been able to build the league into. And I know there's that. That the, that kind of pro rail truther sect that you know thinks that MLS is evil and and thinks that until pro promotion and relegation happens, uh, MLS is holding American soccer back. But yeah. you know you you look at the results, you look at the the growth of the league, and and it's done really well under uh, Don Garber's watch. And and I, as someone who's covered the league a long time and was around when there was contraction and was around when the league looked like it might fold, for Garber to help bring the league from that brink that brink of of collapse to where it is now uh going 21 teams next year mm-hmm. pushing on to 24 28 teams uh you know showing steady growth you know it's a, it's a he's done a great job and, and it's great to hear that he's getting a an extension i think he's done he's done well and considering the mess that the nfl is in right now he, i was act, before i heard this news part of me was thinking you know what i wonder if the nfl would call don garber and say hey you know <laughs> roger goodell's toast now how would you like taking our job? And, and, well, Roger, Good, to- Roger Goodell is – come on. He's not going to step – there's no way he, he will leave the NFL by force or by his own personal choice. There's oh, no way. settle down. Well, well I mean, if, they, if the owners want him out, he'll be out. Okay, mm-hmm. not to get into NFL talk. I, I, I know. Okay, that, I know. People are going to be how, pissed if we do that. I don't know. That's just how it works, whether it's MLS, whether it's NFL – the owners are your bosses. If you're the commissioner, and once they don't, once they don't have your back, you're out of there. So, but the MLS owners obviously have garbage back because he's the guy who's really spearheaded the growth of this league, and, and it's good to see that he's going to be sticking around for a while. Because I tell you what, I remember when he was first hired because I was, you know, I was, I was a writer back then, and and you know when he came in, it's like, oh, here's this NFL guy, he's going to probably stick around a couple years, two three years maybe, and here he still is, you know, yeah. 14 years later, and uh, you know, and now it looks like he's going to try to push. To, to to make it at least two straight that two whole decades as as the commissioner hats off to him yeah no I completely agree I mean you see the league where it was you know you see the the league status when he took over to where it is now and you know there, there's a lot of other things but the fact of the matter is the league is stronger you have teams coming in you know all the MLS teams are now starting to do you know teams in USL Pro it's it's exciting times in Major League Soccer the league continues to grow which that's the important thing it keeps going in the upward direction we did have some midweek games this past week you were at one of them. New York Red Bulls defeating D.C. United. That was a big win for New York. It puts them back They're in the playoff picture, but climbs them up. They're now in fourth in the Eastern Conference uh, over D.C., who was kind of starting to run away with the Eastern Conference. But, you know, to bring it back for a little bit, there was a red card issued in this game. A little bit of controversy in this one on that red card that was issued to Fabian Espindola. Um, she probably shouldn't have been a red card, but it is what it is. New York took advantage, and, and Lloyd Sam gets the goal in the uh, very last minute of the match. What were we just talking about last week on the Escalade How show? good Mark Geiger is as a referee, right? Yes, and how he can... He, he, <laughs> how, how he's perfect. You know, he doesn't do anything wrong. <laughs> well, yeah, how there are these people who think he's amazing. He's the best ref. He was the king. He was like the ref in the World Cup. He did amazing, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and, and it's just so funny. We, you know, I had this whole rant about him and how he has this tendency to just lose, lose, lose games or, or kind of blow games and... This game, I mean, he changed the game. He changed the game with a bad call. I know there was talk of, oh, well, it studs up, and the mandate from 
league officials is it you know or from you know official referee officials in MLS studs up it's got to be a red card blah 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 it was not a red it was not a red card it just wasn't it wasn't, no, it wasn't. a red card he he missed the call he blew it uh and it changed the game and look credit to the red bulls right i'm going to start by saying credit to the red bulls for taking advantage of that because if they if they end up with a tie in that game it's like a loss because you're at home and you're up a man for 60 minutes, you need three points. And, and the way the, the playoff race is for them with the schedule that they have, they needed those three points. They got them. Credit to Lloyd Sam. Credit to Hamas and Olave with a heck of a pass. Uh, to see a center back that pushed up that far up, to see the play, to see the pass, and to make the pass, thread the needle. Credit to him. Great job by them. Now, have said all that, DC United, for me, you know, they, they, look, they showed why they're in first place. And I know people say, oh, but they lost. Like, what'd they show? No, because I'll tell you what, they to go down that early against a team with the weapons that the Red Bulls have and to really frustrate the Red Bulls and, and keep them off the board and really show no fear and, and show real good organization and, and, and maturity, DC United looked like a playoff team. They looked like a team that could compete for a title just the way they responded to that. And uh, they impressed me. I'm telling you what, they impressed me. Uh, in the loss because of the way they responded in that game. I mean, you see teams in MLS, they go man, they go a man down, and it's like, oh, my Lord, panic mode. You give up six goals, uh, or you know, like, like Colorado did. Obviously, the Galaxy are so dangerous. But, I mean, you've seen it throughout the year. I mean, FC Dallas against D.C. earlier in the year. Uh, so D.C. United, they showed some real quality. Uh, you know, even though they went down the man, they, they fought so hard. And Bill Hamid, man, can, can we talk about Bill Hamid? The guy has been amazing. I know everybody wants to give Nick Romando goalkeeper of the year because he's never won it. And because, hey, he's a great goalkeeper, having another quality season for RSL. But Bill Hamid has been unbelievable this year. He's a big part of why they're in first place, why they've had the season that they've had. And he had another amazing game last uh, last night. I mean, if they get that point, it's because of him, because of some of the big saves that he made. Uh, and with him playing the way he's playing, and their defense is as good as, as it is, they're going to be a handful in the mm-hmm. playoffs. i tell you that right now. We've been talking about Bill Hamid now for, I, I would say, for the better part of, of, the, of, the, of the season um, and his performance for D.C. United. Now, he's kind of really stepped up, and you know, there's always been that competition between him and Sean Johnson, who's going to be kind of the next one. And, I mean, it's nice to see Bill Hamid kind of, you know, not that these guys compete against each other. I'm sure they all want to do, you know, to do well with each other, but it's nice to see Bill Hamid kind of, you know, elevate that status as the next American goalkeeper because... Let's face it. I mean, after Tim Howard, you have Nick Romano, Brad Guzan, then there's kind of a big gap to this next generation of younger guys where, where those guys do exist. So um, there were some other midweek games, Montreal, L.A. Montreal, look, they may be bottom in the Eastern Conference, but ever since they signed Ignacio Piatti, they have been performing much, much better. They're now 2-2-1 in their last five matches with him. He has four goals. Big comeback, though, for L.A. in this one on the road. They were down two goals. Jazzy Zardes gets a goal in this one. What's new? And then Alan Gordon Ivis gets a goal for LA, who uh, managed to get a draw on the road against Montreal. Uh, it's a great comeback for them, obviously to go to, to go down and, and to show the fight to, to come back. It, it shows the quality that they have as a team. Um, and I agree with you, Montreal. They they look so much better. You got to give yeah. you got to give Frank Lopa, Frank Lopez some credit. Uh, considering a look, they're out of the playoffs. Uh, they don't have much to play for on that side. They're still in Champions League, so that's something else to look at. Uh, but he is—he is—he has gotten them to buy in, even though the season is kind of a, a bit of a lost cause. Uh, he's gotten them to focus, gotten them to play well, and they are playing well. And I know, and I know they still aren't getting the results they'd like to get. But if you're a Montreal fan, 
uh, you want to see progress, right? You want to see some 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 sign that things are headed in a positive direction, and I think they are. I think they absolutely are. With LA though, LA is uh, a great win for them. Alan Gordon, you know, you got if you're an LA fan, think about that, right? If if you know, obviously they thought they were going to get Sasha Question, that was the target. That fell through. They were able to go get Alan Gordon. Alan Gordon's been exactly what, just what the doctor ordered, right? He's been perfect, perfect for them. He's given them what some of the other forwards they were, you know, they were hoping would give them. Mm-hmm. Guys like Rob Friend. <laughs> Rob Friend hasn't. Rob hasn't Friend really was had, he was horrible this year. He he he's just been a complete flop. Uh, so for Gordon to come in and really give them what they hoped Rob Friend would give them, that's that's big for them. Uh, the one big point, one big takeaway from this game is Landon Donovan gets the yellow card. Taking from he's taking a page from David Beckham with the with the cleverly timed Ooh. yellow card to avoid a game that maybe he didn't want to play in, and he you know he's gonna miss the San Jose game now. There's no one last return to the team that he left behind, the team that he scorned in MLS. Uh, I, you know what? <laughs> he, he he probably needed a rest as well, and and I'm sure they looked at the schedule and said, you know what? Is if there's a game that we can maybe get away with, uh, you know, having Landon Donovan sit out, it's the San Jose game. I think it's unfortunate. I think it would have been great to have Donovan go against the Earthquakes one last time uh, in his in his kind of swan song. Uh, you know, the end of the season. Now, unfortunately, it's not going to happen. And in the Final match of the midweek. Vancouver defeated San Jose Earthquakes 2-0. Ped Morales with a goal and an assist in this match for Vancouver. They needed this victory to stay in the thick of the playoff race. No, oh, they absolutely must win. The must win for them. Uh, when you look at the schedules, uh, schedules are, are, are big. I mean, you can't ignore them. And if you're a team with playoff aspirations and you have a team on your schedule that's you know, one of the worst teams that you're going to face, you, and, and you're facing them at home, you have no choice. You have to get that result. They got that result. That's big for them. Because look at the schedule coming up for them. The FC Dallas, Portland, RSL, FC Dallas, Seattle, San Jose one more time, and then Colorado. Uh, really tough stretch of games. It's very tough. And if they don't if they don't get the if they don't get those three points, they're in a lot of trouble. We're looking ahead at the schedule for this weekend. We have a big matchup. As you just said, you will be at this one. Philadelphia at home taking on the New York Red Bulls, big match for both teams who uh, looks like they're going to be competing for those fourth and fifth spots in the Eastern Conference, and possibly a third spot if a team can catch fire late at the end of the season. Absolutely huge game for both these teams. Uh, they both have to be looking at this as a game that if they win it, it really puts them in a good position. And look, one win or one loss either way, it's not going to knock either of these guys, either of these teams out, and it's not going to help them lock up a spot either. But uh, you know, they, they, it's a game that they have to both go in feeling like they can win. I mean, I know the Red Bulls lost to Philly before, but they have to look at their squad and look at Philly's squad and say, you know what, we're the better team. We should be able to beat them. Mm-hmm. But it's not that easy. The Union are playing really well. Uh, Jim Curtin has done a great job, has them uh, has them so organized defensively, has them playing a, just a more physical uh, style of soccer. Sebastian Latou has been playing out of his mind. Andrew Wenger is really finding his form. So everything is clicking for the union at just the right time. And I know some people will say, well, you know, could they be looking ahead to the Open Cup final? But this rivalry and and, and also the playoff implications are going to keep – I doubt – I absolutely doubt the union are going to be looking past this game. If anything, maybe Jim Curtin uh, looks at 
some of his lineup decisions and maybe he sent some people out. Because I tell you what, you can see Ryzen Boley start this game and then see McMath start on Tuesday. There's going to be a few of those situations where, I mean, if you're if you're Curtin, you have to do mm-hmm. it. You have to with with the game so close together, you have to you're going to have to kind of do a little balancing act. Uh, but they have the depth. They have to actually have the depth to pull it off. Uh, I can't. I couldn't possibly pick a winner. But if you ask me to pick a winner, I think I, I like the Union. They're at home. And, uh, you know, I, I think defensively, the way they're playing, they'll be able to to kind of keep the Red Bulls from, from you know, finding any success attacking-wise. Well, last victory, I mean, last time these two teams met, Philadelphia defeated New York Red Bulls 3-1. to one. This is also a big game for Philadelphia because you look at their last, I mean, they're 4-1 they're and one over the last five, but you look at the victories, Montreal, San Jose, and then they beat Toronto twice in, you know, back-to-back games. And look, let's face it, I mean, Toronto is, is, is really just kind of kicking the tires right now. They, they are not performing that well. Um, there's also reports, Ivis, coming out that Philadelphia has found a new manager. It's not confirmed yet, though. But uh, what's the latest that you're hearing on this? Well, there were some rumors circulating on the Internet, uh, on Twitter, uh, linking uh, Rennie Muenstein, the, the former the, the former Fulham manager, former Manchester United assistant, uh, you know, claiming that he's getting the job. Uh, and, and it's going to be announced, and and it just it just seemed to come out of nowhere because when you look at the way the, the union are playing now, the success they're having, why in the world would you make this move when uh, make it? Why would you make it now? It just meant, doesn't make, didn't make a lot of sense. Um, and then of course uh, Nick Sikevich, the CEO of the union, came out a day later and, and pretty much shot it down. He did admit that Mullenstein is a candidate. Uh, but he said no. No decision is no has been made yet, and that, and that makes it a little more sense because, I mean, if if they've already made a decision and have decided not to hire Jim Curtin, uh, considering the run that he's on and the way that and look, you can't hire a coach just based on two months. I, I agree with that, but to already close the door on the possibility, I think would be pretty short sighted. Uh, I know there's there, there's kind of lingering. Uh, I don't want to say backlash, but that lingering uh, memory of John Hackworth doing a great job uh, with uh, as interim coach when when Peter Novak got fired. Hackworth came in, did an excellent job, closed out the year, had them playing so much better, and and everyone fell in love with Hackworth. And then they gave him the job, and things didn't quite work out. So I think everyone's worried: could that happen again? Could could Curtin just kind of be riding? The interim coach wave, and now and then you give him the job, and it doesn't quite work out. So maybe there's some of that, and may, and maybe you know the the union are looking at Mullenstein and see, you know, Premier League experience. You obviously sat next to Sir Alex for for, for more than a decade, uh, and they're kind of enamored by that. Is that possible? Absolutely, it's possible. But I I mean, if they, I I'd like to give them more credit than to think that they've already made a decision on that. I do think Molenstein's in the picture. I actually I actually saw Molenstein in Portland during All Star Week. He was hanging out. I'm pretty sure I did see him with Sakevich. I saw I saw I saw at, at one of the parties we were at. Actually, you probably had no idea who he was, but I saw him there doing his thing, hanging out, macking. Uh, but whoa, whoa, get, whoa. what was that last it, detail it, you it, just it, provided? Uh, <laughs> what are you talking about? Anyway, he, uh, <laughs> he, uh, look, is he going to get the job? I, I don't think so. I, I, if he gets it, it, I, I would be a little surprised because here's the thing, right? You can say what you want to, it, it's not like the guy has a home run resume. Oh, uh, it's not like we're not talking like this is David Moyes who, who, who built a, uh, built a team at Everton had success at Everton, yes. I know the year at Man U was a nightmare, blah, blah, blah. But David Moyes has had success as a manager somewhere. 
Like, what's Mullenstein's record as a manager? Where has he had success as a manager? And 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 obviously, we have to talk about uh, coaches coming to MLS, foreign coaches coming to MLS with no connections to MLS, no ties to MLS. The success rate is next to zero on that, right? And even less so when you want to talk about uh, uh, putting a, a, a coach, a, a head coach, with no MLS experience and and combine and then who's your general manager then is it going to be Chris Albright Chris Albright right now is handling player personnel issues with the union he's he, he's young the guy just he just retired as a player and already he's jumped into this role he's inexperienced are you really going to take an MLS, a, a head coach with no MLS experience and put him with a general manager with hardly any experience as a general manager like that's a recipe for disaster right so for me it, like i maybe they will end up with that decision at some point but for them to do it so early in the game, as if that's just the no-brainer they have to do, like I don't know, I don't, I'm, I don't see it. I don't see it. For me, Curtin, if to give the guy the whole year to show what he can do, and uh, I mean, for me, I, I personally, I think if he wins the Open Cup, you gotta give him the contract. Give him the contract. That, make that's him what the I'm coach. thinking. He, he wins you a title. If he wins you a title and he gets you in the playoffs, you know, what the heck do you want considering what he took over, right? I mean, give the guy the job. Um, and here's another thing some people need to realize, right? I know some union fans are, are wary of, 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 of giving in too soon. But this is what you run the risk of. You run the risk of, you wait too long. If you don't give him a deal, you go into the offseason, he can go. He can go. If Jim Curtin, if, let, let's just say hypothetically, Jim Curtin wins the Open Cup. Jim Curtin leads the union of the playoffs. He still doesn't have a contract, a, a head coaching contract. He goes into the offseason. Any other team in MLS can sign him. Any other team in MLS could snatch him up, and the union will be powerless against it. And that's where they run a the risk. That's where they run a the risk. So, and, and, and if anyone thinks that somebody won't take a chance on a coach who just won an Open Cup and just led a team to the playoffs yeah. that was like a, you know, completely out of the picture back in June— Someone will take a chance on him. I can tell you that right now. So that's that's where the union run a, a little a little risky thing here. We'll see. These next two games will tell us everything because if they win them both, or if they tie and then they win that, if they win that open cup, they need he needs to be signing a contract Wednesday morning. For me, in my opinion, the union need to be signing him the next day. Uh, no, I, I that that's we first off we we talked about this a few weeks ago too when. The, you know, that short list came out for managers that the Philadelphia Union were considering and were kind of like, man, he, I mean, everything's going pretty well for, you know, for Philadelphia right now. It's just, look, look, this is going to be played out. They point out the U.S. Open Cup final. That is on September 16th. Philadelphia will be home hosting the Seattle Sounders. Moving on, on Friday night, RSL will be traveling up to Seattle, taking on the Seattle Sounders. Last time these two teams met in Seattle, the Sounders gave RSL a big 4-0 thrashing. This is going to be a big match, especially for the number one seed in the Western Conference. This is going to play out. RSL has Avaro Sabarillo back. Hopefully, not hopefully, but he might get the start this weekend for them. That will be big for them. And uh, Ivis Friday night. I mean, what a way to kick off the weekend with, with these two strong teams going against each other. No, it's a huge game. It's a huge game for both teams. Uh, supporter shield implications, uh, see, and and number one seed implications, number three seed implications. There's so much on the line in this game, and it, and these teams. It, 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 I think it's going to be a fun game. I think it's probably going to be the most entertaining game of the weekend. I think I, I I would say I think Union and Red Bulls will be the more intense game. But I think as far as entertainment value, I think RSL Seattle is going to absolutely be the game to watch. And, and going on the road for Real Salt Lake, I mean, this is an easy. 
you know, for them to go up to Seattle and maybe come back with a victory, you know, RSL maybe you're kind of hoping that you're going to be able to get a draw out of this one. But I mean, Ivis with, with these two teams going against each other that have, you know, stout defenses, their midfields are excellent. I mean, it's going to be a match to watch, you know, certain guys go against each other the whole entire match to see Dempsey go against uh, Nat Borchers. You're going to see Sabarillo hopefully go against, you know, Chad Barrett. I mean, excuse me, Chad Marshall. You know, it's it, top to bottom, Ivis. I mean, you look at both these teams, there's really no weak spot for both these teams. I mean, it's going to be going down to the wire on Friday night with these two teams. They have balanced. They both have balanced squads. Uh, it's great that it's Friday night. You get, you know, all the, you know, everyone gets to watch it. And especially for those of us who try to watch every game, uh, you, you know, it, it's not three screens going. You can just focus on mm-hmm. this one game. Uh, I know RSL doesn't get enough love when it's, when you want to talk about national television uh, exposure, uh, great opportunity. Great. I, I, I'm looking forward to this game. I wish I could. I tell you, I wish I could be there. But uh, RSL, as we talked about last show, getting Alvaro Sabrio back, mm-hmm. get it, getting Sebastian Jaime, uh, they have. I'm telling you, they are they are they are a team you're not going to want to have to deal with come the playoffs. No. Um, uh, and now we'll see against Seattle just how dangerous they can really be. And for RSL, who are five points behind Seattle, I mean, this match is also huge because you can catch ground on the Seattle Sounders, and then you kind of look at their schedule for the rest of the season: Colorado, Vancouver, Chivas USA, San Jose Earthquakes, Portland Timbers, Chivas USA. I mean, RSL, man, has a great opportunity here to catch up to Seattle, be two points behind them, and then they could rip off a bunch of wins against teams that they should beat, where Seattle, they have a little bit of a tougher schedule. So, look, this this match right here could, you know, a couple weeks from now, we could look back and say, man, this was the turning point for Real Salt Lake, or, or this is where Seattle shut down Real Salt Lake and won the Western Conference. Yes, LA's there, but a lot will play out. A- absolutely. i tell you what, like you said, the schedule... When you look at the, the the three teams, and not not to take FC Dallas out of the equation, but RSL beating them obviously has has created a little bit of distance. But if you want to talk about LA, uh, Seattle and LA obviously are the front runners right now. You want to uh, potentially for Sports Shield number one seed, RSL is that is kind of that outsider that they can pull through as these other two teams are battling it out. Remember, Seattle and LA play each other at the end of the season. They could beat each other up. They could end up playing to, into a pair of draws, getting only two points each. RSL with, has a much easier schedule after this week. So, yeah, if they get the three points here, they they can all of a sudden go speeding by these other teams and 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 beat them at the tape for that number one seed. And uh, whether they get the one seed or whether they stay, stay at the number three seed, RSL is going to be a handful in the playoffs. No, completely agree. And also with the way Nick Romano's playing right now, it's just look, this is going to be a great game. On, on Friday night. Another match at the Western Conference. FC Dallas will be at home taking on the Vancouver Whitecaps. I guess this, this is going to be a big match uh, for FC Dallas to keep pace in that Western Conference because, look, FC Dallas is in fourth right now. You want to avoid that fourth, fifth spot to you know when you advance to the playoffs. So taking on the Vancouver Whitecaps who are you know creeping up. They're competing against Portland right now for that final spot in the Western Conference. FC Dallas dropped their last two matches. And uh, for them at home, I mean, th- this is a match where they, they need to put away Vancouver early and, and then put some goals up against them. Uh, easier said than done, my friend. I mean, look, Vancouver, uh, you want to see, will this, this win, the recent win against San Jose, will that give them some confidence? But as we've said all year, on the road, Vancouver, very weak. FC Dallas, you know, they've had a few kind of bumps in the road now. They've lost a couple of games. But I think this game is where FC Dallas wakes up uh, finds their form again and gets back to back gets back to winning ways. 
Uh, I, I don't I don't think that Vancouver victory is nece- is is going to propel the Whitecaps and all of a sudden make them a good road team. They're not. They're an absolutely bad road team. FC Dallas, I think, will handle this, take care of business. I think it's. I think this one could get ugly, to be honest with you. I think FC Dallas will open it up. I think we're going to see like a three-one FC Dallas victory. Three-one over Vancouver. Come on, I was. You know how good they are on the road. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I look. FC Dallas needs a victory here in, in just the worst way possible. And, and look, losing three matches in a row is not going to be the end of the world. But I mean, you just don't want to give confidence to a Vancouver team that is kind of starting to breathe down your neck in the Western Conference. Because look, you, you just you know Vancouver wins this; they're only two points behind FC Dallas. And, and look, and, and that's how you create room. We got Portland creeping up there. So I mean, look, FC Dallas they, they, losing three in a row is not the end of the world. But obviously, something like they would like to avoid, Ivis. I think they're going to win. I mean, you're you're making you're painting this doom and gloom because they <laughs> lost because they lost a couple of games. They lost the game to Chicago where they were missing Michelle and Blas Perez, and it was a one zero. They gave up a late goal on the road. It wasn't exactly like they were you know dominated. And then you had RSL. Obviously, RSL tough opponent. Nothing, no shame in losing to them. I think they're going to bounce right back. I think they're. I think they will have zero trouble with the Whitecaps. Uh, Columbus Crew will be on the road taking on the Houston Dynamo. Last time these two teams met, Columbus put a 3-0 spot on Houston. Granted, that was in Columbus. Now they're on the road. Houston, uh, they've, look, they've, they've had a little bit of injuries, but but you know Houston's a stingy team at home that we know. Ivis, uh, look, this 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 is a big match, and and for Houston, you know they are they're on the outside looking in for the playoffs. And a win here, Ivis could you know hope you know. You know, if you're a Houston fan, you know you're hoping a win here could put you back in that playoff picture. But look, Columbus—if Columbus wants to be a playoff team, I they have to go on the road and they have to take care of business against Houston this weekend. This game is going to say a lot about both these teams, and you know, Houston—they—they—it's they, almost like a play, they're already in their own playoffs because they can't afford to lose. They really can't. I'm not saying they have to win eight in a row, but they have to win their home games. They have to try to get some points on the road. Uh, and when you look at the teams that they still have to play, they they have, they have Philly, they have the Red Bulls, these United still to go on their schedule, New England. Uh, they got some tough games. So if you're at home, you get look. Not that Columbus isn't a, a tough team. Columbus has shown uh, lately that you know they, they're, they've won three out of four, even with the losing uh, of of Gio Gonzalez. They, they, they're still in that picture. Uh, but I, I've been saying it for a couple of weeks now. I I, I just can't I can't write off Dom Kinnear. I can't write off the Dynamo. Um, even though they're they they have a ways to go here, even with a win, they still have a lot of work to do to get back in into the Eastern Conference playoff race. Uh, what are they five right now? They have a game in hand. They're five points out, and they also have two teams ahead of them in Philly and Toronto. So that's that's a lot to navigate. But it starts with this game, and if they lose this game, then then you can finally start saying, okay, maybe Dom Kinnear isn't going to pull the magic out of the hat. They aren't going to, you know, rally and, and and close that out. I think if they lose that, if they lose this game, then you can start because all of a sudden, if they lose this game, they're they'll be eight points behind Columbus, uh, and and they'll be at least uh, if it's they'll either be eight points behind Philly, or nine points behind New York, right? Or if the teams tie, they'll behind be behind both of them mm-hmm. by quite a bit. So Houston has to win. I don't want to say Columbus has to win, but I think if Columbus gets a point. Uh, they'll be content, but for me, I'm not writing Houston off anymore. I think Houston gets it done, uh, just because it's Tom Kinnear, man, and Houston, they find a way. I know it's not the same team. Something else to not forget now, Tally Hall is out. Tally Hall, torn ACL, uh, fans in Houston love Tyler Derrick. You know, he's only played a couple of games, but, every, every, you know, all you hear from, from Dynamo fans is how 
how Tyler Derrick's going to get the job done. He's he's just as good as Tally Hall. Let's see. Let's see if that's more uh, optimism than reality. We'll find out. Also, Columbus Crew news: They did go out and sign a new defender, Austrian Emmanuel Pogatetz, to replace Giancarlo. Giancarlo Gonzalez, excuse me, uh, he will not be playing this weekend. Ivis hope uh, he'll be playing possibly later this month for the Columbus Crew. But uh, thoughts on this signing by them? Uh, it's well, it, it remains to be seen, right? I mean, here's the thing: like I, I'm just not a guy who's going to jump on, uh, all over, jump on the bandwagon for a guy's resume and just and just assume that okay, he's going to do well in this league. Uh, he does have a pretty good resume. And where I want to give the crew a little credit is, look, they went and got Gio Gonzalez, and he turned out to be a great pickup for them. Uh, Burhalter showing a keen eye there on the market. So from that standpoint, you'd like to think, okay, Burhalter knows what he's doing when he's looking at defenders. So I'll give him the benefit of the doubt and think, okay, Pogacet should be uh, a positive for them. He should be an upgrade from the players that they currently have. Will he be as good as Gonzalez? That remains to be seen. But obviously, they, they, they've spent a decent amount of money to bring Pogacets in, and he should be an upgrade. And if he is an upgrade, if he is even close to Gio Gonzalez, then they're, they're looking like a pretty good playoff team, a uh, pretty good uh, chance of being a playoff team. But again, this game against Houston, they, they need to get at least a point out of it. Uh, Toronto will be on the road taking on the Chicago Fire under Greg Vanny. Toronto has now lost their two matches. They've now had a week to prepare for this match, last week they took on Philadelphia Union on Wednesday, then they played him again on Saturday. So quick turnaround for them. Uh, Chicago, Mike McGee is now out for the season after undergoing uh, surgery. Toronto Ivis on the road. If they want to make the playoffs, they, they have to win this game. This is this is a must win for them. And every game for them, for probably the remainder of the season, is, is a must win or they need to pick up points in every single match. I wouldn't say every game is a must win, but this game is a win is a game they, they need to win because... Uh, when you look at their schedule, this is going to be one of the easier games. The fire, as tough as they've been this year, this, the, you know, the Mike McGee injury is huge. It's a huge blow. It's kind of raising the white flag. It's kind of, it's almost fitting that Jermaine Jones and the Revs would be the ones to kind of finish off the fire because uh, they're done, right? They're not, the playoffs are, are a wrap, right? They're seven points out of the playoffs. Even though they have a game in hand, they're seven points out without their best attacking player. They're, they're, they're done. So if you're Toronto, you need to get your act together. You need to start putting away your chances. You need to start defending better on set pieces. Mm -hmm. You just need to pull it together. And look, they've had a week now. Greg Vanny, no excuses now. You've been handed the keys for the whole year. you got to start showing some results. And uh, I I think Toronto's going to get the job done. I think they're going to take care of business. I think they have quality. and I think they're going to show. It. So Toronto needs their, their DPs to step up, but they're not going to have Jermaine Defoe this weekend. I mean, he, he probably will be back again later this month. But you know, Michael Bradley, who you know, look, he, he's been on a tough stretch. I mean, he, he needs to step up. Gilberto, this is another guy who who's just kind of had his moments of brilliance. And, and look, DPs that they can put your team over the edge. We all know that. And for Toronto, their DPs just aren't doing that for them. And and then you know, it's affecting the rest of the play on the team. So look, Ivis, they, they need these guys to step up big for them this weekend. Yep, I agree. Yeah, <laughs> yeah uh, I know. There's nothing else to say. It's, it is what it is. Get it, get it done, Toronto. You have to win this game, and uh, I, I don't agree that they have to win every game here or now. But this game, they got to win because you look at the games they have. They have this game. So let's say you win this game, you're Toronto. Well, if you can't, you be, if you can't be Chicago, then. Ugh. But they've been tough. They've been tough. I mean, let's. It's not a pushover. 
Next, the next game is a pushover. Chiefs USA, that's three points in the bank. Put it in the book, right? But then things get tough. You got Portland. You got L.A. You got Houston. You got the Red Bulls. That's a rough stretch for Toronto, right? And then, you know, Montreal is getting better. And then you got New England. So if you look at the schedule, the next two games, they if they don't get six points from these next two games, they're not going to make the playoffs. Period. End of story. So if you want to talk about must-wins, these next two games are pretty much must-win games for Toronto. Uh, Montreal will be on the road taking on the New England Revolution. This match probably a few weeks ago seemed like an easy win for New England, but Montreal has been playing better. But you kind of look at Montreal's the last five games where they have performed better. They're not going to face a team that's going to have a guy like Jermaine Jones anchoring the midfield. I think that's going to be obviously the X factor for New England, who at home against Montreal should take care of business this weekend, Ivis. It's not just Jermaine Jones. You got to Lee Wynn, you know? Well, Lee yeah, Wynn, Lee, uh, yes, Lee Wynn. M- MVP candidate Lee Wynn, as the Revs fans love to tell everybody. Uh, he's playing out of his mind. Hey, does, does, um, Lee, does Lee Wynn get a call up in October? I don't know. I mean, I, I've said this a while now. He's doing, an ama- he's doing an amazing job in MLS this year. He's really, really stepped it up to another level. But do I think he's an impact player on the international level? That remains to be seen. Uh, I think he'll get a call in January. But like I told you, I don't think Klinsman is going to call in 20 MLS players. I really don't. Um, so from that standpoint, I don't know if Lee Wynn's going to get called in. If he got called in, would I be shocked? No. But uh, I, I'm just not. I'm just not there on Win being being the guy. I, I'm just. I'm just not there yet. Having said all that, New England's playing great. The Jones win combo outstanding. Uh, they're going to win this game. I, I, I mean, I know Montreal's been playing better, and Ignacio Piatti's a handful. No doubt about it. But New England is playing really well right now. Jermaine Jones is exactly what they needed. The only thing that could jinx them, I will say this, the only thing that could jinx mm-hmm. them, uh, we're, break, we're breaking some news here. I, we're not really breaking it. I think it was broken on, on kind of broken on Twitter. Uh, Andrew Farrell, uh, his beard has been shaven. Did you know that? Oh, I did know that. Yeah, that we're not really breaking news. Sorry. <laughs> Wait, what? Wait, that, that's Yeah, it was already out. <laughs> Well, no. Well, see, here's the thing. So he, I think he put it out that that it had gotten shaved off, and then people thought he was, people didn't know if he was kidding. And then he tweeted a picture of of him with a beard. Uh, but I, you know, I, I, I chatted with him earlier, and it's, it sounds like the barber just kind of, you know, did his own thing and decided to start shaving it. And before you know it, you know, he put a, you know, big big patch in in it. And at that point, you kind of just have to give it up. So uh, I'd say, and for those who don't know the story. Andrew Farrell was basically going to grow his beard mm-hmm. until he scored a goal. And he has yet to score a goal. He he said, had, and he, he said this yet... in January, by the way. So it's right, been right. a long, long, long time. Right. He hasn't, yeah, he hasn't shaved all season. Uh, it had really become, you know, a, a cult. There was a cult following in New England for, for Andrew Farrell's beard. Uh, so now he shaved it off. And I tell you what, so now he pretty much has to score a goal against Montreal. So. Mm-hmm. If you watch that game and he's and he scores a goal and he, and he goes crazy, you'll understand why he's going so crazy. Uh, Chivas USA will be taking on Kansas City, and for Kansas City, who's on a four-game slide, the soccer gods are nice. I know the schedule comes out months, months, months in advance, but look, we'll just face it that the soccer gods are nice, and hopefully, giving Sporting Kansas City a break and an opportunity for them to uh, end this four-game slide. Three points in the back. Book it. There's nothing else. To talk. We don't even to talk about. We don't even need to talk about this game. It's going to be at least three 0 four 0 Dom Dwyer's going to have at least one goal. He'll break the KC uh, single season record held by Precky. 
Uh, and and as I said in the last show, I think you know if there's a game for Pete Vermees to get Matt Beasler some rest, I really think this is it. We'll see if that happens. But Casey's going to win this. I have zero doubt about it. Uh, San Jose will be hosting LA Galaxy. As you said, Landon Donovan will not be playing in this match. And, and look, any match between San Jose and LA, it's hard to predict. These these matches are, are crazy. Sometimes they're high scoring. Sometimes they're low scoring. They're all over the place. Uh, look, all I know is that that match on Sunday is going to be awesome to watch. Lee, Alan Gordon, Alan Gordon, eighty fifth minute game winner, and then he runs around like a madman. You think he will? No, you know what? Here's the thing: they they just they 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 cut him loose, man. They let him go, and I I, I think he's gonna I think he's gonna celebrate. I think he's gonna score the winner in this game. Don't ask me why. (laughs) It's it's just destined that he's gonna score the winner, and I think he's gonna celebrate like a madman, and that's gonna. Just piss off everybody at Buckshaw Stadium. Yeah, <laughs> look, the, the San Jose LA games are always fun to watch because they're, they're all over the place whenever you watch them. And their games are like a million miles a minute. That game is on Sunday at noon. Last game we need to talk about, Ivis, uh, Colorado at home taking on the Portland Timbers for Portland. Uh, look, this is a game that they they have to win. Colorado is is look they're they're in a tailspin. Season's probably done for them. And for Portland on the road, take advantage of this. Get your three points. Come home and uh, and hopefully it's a game where Portland you know can take care of business. Uh, yeah, we're throwing around the must win thing a lot. It's getting a little played out. I think we need to sh- shake it up a little bit. It's a, it, they need to win this game. You uh, the Port- the Timbers they absolutely need to win this game. They need to get their defense sorted out. Uh, it just you know. When you think about giving up seven goals in the last three games, um, and that's with a, a shutout squeeze in there, uh, I think I think Colorado's kind of the perfect recipe, uh, recipe for them. Colorado's in, 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 like you said, an absolute tailspin. Uh, I think Portland's attack is going to find they're they're, they're going to put their finishing boots on, uh, and they're going to take care of business against this Colorado team. I think I think their attack going against that Colorado defense, mm-hmm. even though it's in Colorado, let's not let's let's not let's remember now Colorado at home. They're tough to deal with, uh, and even in this tough, the rough patch of, of results, they've still been a handful at home. So it won't be easy. But I tell you what, I think Portland's attack is gonna is gonna just it's just gonna find the gaps and find the the you know the holes in that Colorado defense. This weekend, the USL Pro Playoffs will kick off. Eight teams make it. You have Orlando City taking on Harrisburg City Islanders, Richmond Kickers, Charleston Battery, Sacramento Republic taking on Wilmington Hammerheads, and LA Galaxy 2 taking on Rochester Rhinos. Ivis, thoughts on the quarterfinals for this weekend? Uh, I'm curious to see if we're going to see any upsets. I mean, I, I know the Orlando City is the favorite, right? They're, they're the powerhouse. They should, in theory, run through the quarters, uh, even run through the semis uh, into the final, even though they've been coasting late in the season. Uh, and there's always that question, right, of teams that, that kind of clinch early, they coast. Uh, can they turn it back on? I mean, I think that happens in MLS as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that's – I know we talked last show, and I, I that's kind of part of the reason I picked Sacramento, I think, uh, to win the whole thing. I think they can pull the upset because I think they're going to go in with, with a little kind of more balanced – uh, for a uh, rhythm going in, you know, and I think Orlando has the talent. We know they, they're they're stacked. Uh, Kevin Molino, everyone's talking about Kevin Molino now. Uh, they got the young kids on that team as well. Uh, but it's going to be those two teams. La La two is kind of that third team in. Uh, but let let's talk let's talk it once the semifinals are there. Let's see if uh, any of the, those big three get knocked off. Do you, you think? Let me ask you. You you know this league. 
Do you see any of the big three getting knocked off? No, not at all. Uh, I mean, look, Orlando will take care of business against Harrisburg, and, and they'll beat whoever wins the Bridgman Kickers Charleston Battery game. You know, the matchup that, that you know, if look, if you if you really want to see a good matchup semifinals, you know, Sacramento should be able to, they're at home taking on Wilmington Hammerheads. They're a stingy team, but Sacramento at home should be able to defeat them. LA Galaxy 2 Sacramento semifinals. If both those teams win, that is going to be an awesome match to watch. LA Galaxy 2 have a ton of uh, talent on their squad. Uh, they're going to be good. But for me, look, I think it's going to be Orlando and Sacramento, and I think Sacramento is going to win the USL Pro Championship. That's my prediction. Who? who, who? Sacramento Republic will win the USL Pro Championship. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold on. So last show... I picked Sacramento, you picked Orlando, and you made fun of me for picking Sacramento. Now you want to come jump on the bandwagon. I, I could change my opinions. Come on. Uh, I, hope everyone, I hope everyone notices that. i just like to point that out. But anyway, don't, yeah. Don't, don't, your decision had nothing to do with my decision. Sure, Garrett. Sure. But look, like I said, I know, look, I know most U.S. fans, or I know a lot of U.S. fans who, who don't have much exposure to USL. It's obviously you don't get to see it on national television, but... Uh, if you can get some games, see some games because, you know, there is some quality on that level. Uh, there are obviously some young MLS players uh, working their way through. And then you have Orlando City, uh, which you're going to have, mm-hmm. obviously, that uh, quite a few players from that team. I don't know about – when I say quite a few, I mean, you're probably going to have a half dozen uh, or a little bit more be in MLS next year. So that that from that standpoint, I think it's going to be interesting to watch. You want to watch the playoffs and see who stands out because, you know what, they're gonna there are going to be some guys in that league and in these playoffs that are, going to, that are going to be playing in MLS one day. No, completely agree. And, you know, people have their eye on LA Galaxy, too. And with Montreal doing a team next year, we also like ramping up their efforts, too. You know, you're going to see more MLS teams competing in this league. So, And in the world of college soccer, we have some big matchups this weekend. Ivas, what will you be watching? Well, I'm always at the mercy of the of the streams and, and the ESPN 3 feed and, and the games they pick. But when, if we're talking about what are the best matchups – well, the matchups that if you could, could see them, you'd want to see. Obviously, I think Washington-UConn's a big one. I know UConn struggled a bit out of the gates, but that's still – you're talking about two teams with, with, with MLS prospects on both sides, the, the, the all-Huskies matchup there. Uh, so that's going to be a good one. And uh, I'd say a little more uh, – maybe a less high-profile matchup, but uh, Coastal Carolina, who's, who's you know, got off to a really good start, they play Furman, who's undefeated. That's going to be a good one to watch. Uh, you have Syracuse, who's off to a great start, jumping in the, this week into the SBI Top 25. They go up against Notre Dame. Big matchup. Uh, if you can see that one, watch out for Syracuse goalkeeper Alex Bono. He's the real deal, future pro. Uh, and and I think you know there's a few a few others around the around the uh, around the country. Make sure you check out our weekend college preview on SBI every Friday. Uh, our, our guy Aaron Crawford's uh, on top of that. So make sure you check that out on Fridays. And obviously we do our weekend wrap-ups throughout uh, on Saturday as well as Monday. Uh, so if you if you want to be a, keep up on college soccer, make sure you're catching those. And yes, the SBI Top 25 coming out every Friday. And we've reached the end of the SBI show. You know what that means, SBI Q&A. Submit any questions. <laughs> what? I love when you do this every show. Well, you know, some people need to we, know. We, we, no, 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 I no. Assu- I, Ivis, I assume that people... We've the end of the show, which means it's not the end of the show. Okay, relax. Take it easy, okay? We've reached the SBI Q&A part, which then leads into the end of the show. All right? What's your problem? Okay? Are you the host of the show? No, it's not, I am. It's, so not just... the, it's, it's not the end of the show. Okay. Take it easy. I get I get into... <laughs> I get. You know what? I do get into... Um... You want to call... What? What is it? I, I can't think of the word. I, I'm horrible. This is what happens when you record the show when I'm not falling asleep. I'm horrible. 
I get into <laughs> funks where I say the same stuff a lot. I do that. You de- I think I think well you've said you know about fifty times. You got me saying it and I never say it. Yeah. I, I say that. Also I said everything's a must win this weekend. <laughs> I said hopefully a lot, I think this I, show. I, I know I say I say look a lot and I get that. I think I got that from my, my years of covering Bob Bradley. Because Bob Bradley likes to do that before he makes a point. Mm-hmm. Bob Bradley's like, look, these guys are gonna play and they're just what you don't you don't know. That was my Bob Bradley, by the way. But uh but yeah, so let's go. Let's you also let's, say let's, something let's, else. I can't think of what it is right now. There's a, there is like a phrase that you say a lot. Anyways, look, SBI Q&A part. Uh, first question is from Harry M. Stash. With Garber signing up for five more years, what would you like to see him accomplish in the next five years or undo something? I like this question. Very intelligent question. It doesn't require the writing of a book. Um, good stuff. Uh, <laughs> things that I'd like to see him accomplish. Uh, it's that's the, that's the interesting one, right? Because you know some things are not really up to him, like the CBA is not really his issue. It's really going to be, I mean, he can try to steer the owners towards a, a better resolution. If things come to a head, uh, at the end of the day, whatever goes on with the CBA, it's going to fall on him because he's the commissioner. It's going to, you know, even though it's really going to come down to the union and, uh, and then the owners, uh, what they're willing to give, what they're willing to take. Um, so he's got to have a hand in that. If it's, if there is, as long as there's no holdout and as long as we see some progress, as far as salaries, the salary cap go up, Maybe a push closer to free agency. I, I, I've said it. I don't think we're gonna. I don't think free agency is gonna happen. MLS doesn't want it to happen. Um, and when I say free agency, basically free movement among teams. Um, you're just not gonna see that. I think ever or in in the, in the near future, um, you're not gonna have a situation where player X has a four year contract that expires. And then he can go to any team he wants. I just don't think that's hap- ever going to happen. I think it'd be great if it could happen, but I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon. Um, but uh, I would like to see expansion continue. I would like to see Garber uh, figure out what's going to happen with Chivas and 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 come to a quicker resolution. Now that there, there's been talk that maybe Chivas will stay Chivas another season. As long as they are Chivas USA, they are bringing the league down. That's a light and a black eye on the league. They need to figure it out. If they can't find an owner to to take over that team, rebrand that team in the near future, they need to cut bait on the second LA team. As much as I think that a second LA team could work there, uh, they can't sit around with this dead, you know, dead in the water club uh, that's that, that's just bringing down the league and embarrassing the league with these empty, uh, empty stadiums and you know, no, hardly any fans going to them. And I feel for the fans that still support them. You got to give them some credit, and and, and you know they, they're going to go. They're going to. They're not. They are not giving up on their team, but the league needs to make something happen. So Garber needs to do that. Uh, I'm trying to think what else. What else? He's done a good job to build the league up to this point. Um, so I think if he can get them successfully to 28 teams, mm-hmm. uh, and 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 continue to build the talent level in the league, then I think he's done a good job. Next question comes from Weston John. Why does it sound like Arlo White is saying chimichanga when he says Timmy Chandler? And what is a Coper America? Uh, I watch the game in Spanish. <laughs> I'm not saying that's why I watch the game in Spanish, but all I'll say is I watch the game in Spanish. So uh, I can't comment on that. But I tell you what, listen, chimichanga is a pretty good left back. I mean, I'm just saying. But anyway, <laughs> so we we got some good questions. We got some funny questions for this one. So I'm, I'm reading all of them. Like- uh, 
Uh, next question is from Stan Maxson. Josie seems to get regular 15 minutes at end of Sunderland games. Improvements on last year. Then he says, don't let Garrett hate on Sunderland. What's up with that? I don't know, man. Why do you hate on Sunderland? I don't know. <laughs> I guess it's my hatred for Sunderland is your hatred for FC Dallas. I guess you can compare those two uh, issues. I mean, look, last year, they were pretty horrible. Yes, they were. Before... Before they went on that that run, they, that la- the run to close out the season was amazing. I mean, they no one saw them getting results against some of the teams they got results against toward the end of the year. So credit for that. Um, as far as outside of the situation, it's still early to start kind of trying to compare to last year. But I think the fact that he made it through the summer, Sunderland didn't dump him, uh, and obviously part of that's the contract that he's on. You know, when you when you buy a player for you know thirteen million dollars, uh, big forward signing. You pay him the big Premier League money. You can't in one year suddenly turn around, unload him, uh, and unload the sizable contract that he has in one year. It just isn't going to happen. Um, but having said that, it's not like they then buried him on the end of the bench. I mean, he's getting minutes. He's getting some playing time. He hasn't made anything happen yet on that front. But as long as he's still showing enough to get on the field, You'd like to, you know, hope for his sake, you, you want to hope that that leads to more minutes and uh, a chance to actually make something happen, score a goal, earn a start, get his way into the lineup, and then start to get some momentum. Uh, so from that standpoint, I think it's it, it, right from where he stands right now, when you when you remember how last year went, if I had told you he's still on Sunderland, he's getting some minutes, he's not starting, but he's getting some minutes, Sunderland's off to a pretty good start. You kind of, you know, some people would take that for him. They take that. I know some other people would rather he play in, uh, in the Netherlands and score forty goals again, and 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 just be the guy there. But there's something to be said for playing in a tough league, uh, having to fight for minutes, having to push yourself as a player. Uh, scoring goals obviously gives you confidence, but playing in that kind of environment, forcing yourself to raise your game, can also make you a better player. Uh, next question comes from Andy Panicki. A famine, alien attack, hyperinflation, or incurable disease, which is most likely to be solved by Major League Soccer promotion and relegation? I think everything. I think every, I think <laughs> I think the world becomes heaven if uh, promotion and relegation happens. Uh, I'm kidding, obviously. We know we get a lot of people talking about promotion and relegation, and I know when I asked uh, MLS President Mark Abbott about promotional and relegation and if it'll ever if it if it will never happen or if it'll happen if, if it'll ever happen and he said never and that totally set off a firestorm uh in uh from you know among the pro rel set and we know there's a pretty vocal pro rel set uh my thing is this i personally would love promotional relegation i i think it would be great to have promotional relegation does it mean i am gonna devote my life to fighting for it no but i think it i think it could work i am not one who writes it off but i'm also not one who thinks that nothing else matters until we fight the evil that is not having it right so i i, I just everyone's gonna do what they're gonna do everyone's gonna fight for the causes they want to they want to fight for i just think some people are a little misguided and a little they're wasting their energy fighting off people who actually kind of agree with them on certain points. I mean, I agree, and I'm sure there are people who agree that promotion and relegation would be nice to have, but it's not happening. MLS, they've already said it's not happening. Uh, U.S. soccer is not going to push the issue. Sunil Gulati is now on the record as saying that U.S. soccer is not going to make that happen. I know people want to, are, are, are you know, there's the same pro rel set. 
that will push and say, hey, MLS is in bed with U.S. soccer. This is not right. Just the corruption. Uh, it's all they're all in, in, in bed together. It's bringing the whole game down. I don't necessarily agree with the extremes of those. But I see the point. I see where people see things a certain way. Uh, but you know what, folks? It's not going to change. It's not going to change. No matter how many times you tweet it, no matter how, how many, no matter how many times you throw up random blog posts or podcasts, it's not changing anything. It's not. You're Don Quixote chasing windmills. And it's you know what? It is what it is. More power to you if you want to keep fighting those fights. But to criticize people because they don't want to join in on your crusades, yeah. I think that's the I think it's pointless. No, I agree. I don't think it's ever going to happen. And the more Major League Soccer invests with second division teams, I mean, that just furthers the argument that it's not going to happen. Next question comes from Kenneth. What is your favorite pregame alcoholic drink? <laughs> well, I don't drink before games because I'm usually working. Well, if you had to drink before a game, what would you drink then? Well, if I was not working and I was chilling at a game while watching the game as a fan, I would just, Jack and Coke's my drink, man. I would drink Jack and Coke. Really? Like, if you're at, like, if, if, when you're going to, like, a football game? Come on, why don't you be going to, like, a Knicks game or a Giants game? Actually, no, you're probably a Jets fan. Jets suck. You know, why don't you go to one of those games? I'm a Redskins fan. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. Which, which, which is why I don't watch the NFL anymore. Let's put it out in this face. Nah, you know, I don't know what, beer? I mean, I guess I could drink beer, but I don't know. I, I, Jack and Coke's my drink. It, it's just, it is what it is. Just give me a bottle of, give me a bottle of whiskey, and I'm, I'll, be, I'll be a happy man. I usually drink uh, PBR before a game. Oh, yeah? Because you you, it's that. easy to pound, and I feel like it's better than Coors Light, Bud Light, Milwaukee's best. I mean, I'm not a poor college kid, so I don't need to spend nothing on alcohol. But I feel like PBR is like a, a happy medium for me. Well, you know, ever since you stopped shotgunning Shirley Temple's, everything got better. <laughs> <laughs> You're so stupid. Uh, next question comes from Andy Rachubinski. Do you see the union keeping up this hot streak and making the playoffs? Uh, I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say yes, man. I think Jim Curtin has them playing great. Uh, has them organized, has, has them avoiding silly mistakes. And I think that if you can be consistent, consistency means a lot. It's And I'm mean, telling you, it's one thing to have a superstar player who can save your day. It's another thing to have a lot of money on your, on your, on your, in your, on your roster and, and all this money spent. But none of that matters. What matters is consistent performance. And of the teams that are right now fighting for those last spots in the East, the union, I see more consistency than the other teams. Next question comes from Ryan Dietz. It's not a question, he says. Rather, I just want to say enjoy the long episode. Shortens the two-and-a-half-hour commute to union matches. Did you hear that, everyone? Two-and-a-half-hour commute. Ryan, thank you for listening. Well, you know what's funny? We actually hit the plan going into this show was we're going to make it an hour. An hour. Long, so we were going to limit it to an hour. That's it. One hour, and of course, what are we at now, Garrett? Uh, we're at 120. All right, moving on. Next question comes from Eric Fox. How long can the Union keep Bill Hamid? Uh, they don't have him, so they can't keep him at all. Oh, I said United. I'm sorry. I'm thinking Union. Sorry. How long can United keep Bill Hamid? Uh, it's funny. We talk, <laughs> stupid. I feel like we You're talk, so stupid. <laughs> I feel like we talked <laughs> talk, <laughs> like talk recently, and, I, and someone asked, you know, what MLS player do I see? Moving on, and I said, Bill Amid, I tell you what, the way he's playing right now, maybe one season, uh, one great season isn't enough to, to get teams to, to pony up the money it'll take to, to move him, but he's got to be turning some heads. There's got to be some scouts looking at him. Uh, I give him, at most, one more year after this in MLS, and who knows? If, if, if teams are watching him now, 
uh, I could see some teams, you know, who look at the track record of American goalkeepers and they'll say, you know what, American goalkeepers have a pretty good success rate. This looks like the next one, the next great one on the assembly line. Let's lock, let's sign them. Let's sign them up. I think he could absolutely make a move in uh, this this January. Next question's from Steve. Why does no one talk about PEDs in soccer? Unlikely, it's the only sport without a problem. Well, no one talks about it because we don't have positive drug tests yet. We don't have a smoking gun. Because I mean, why why talk about something that still hasn't presented itself as a problem? Are there players using performance-enhancing drugs in MLS or in the world of soccer or anywhere? Probably, possibly. The stats suggest that it's 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 probably idealistic to think no one's using them. But until we start getting some drug positive tests or, or some kind of something that comes out to show us that there's a problem, then what can we really talk about? I mean, the only the only thing I can remember uh, was back in 2008 with when John Conway and Jeff Park. Uh, were were suspended for you know failing drug tests uh, because they took some supp- over over the counter supplements from GNC that had some bad substances and I mean to think of anything that showed that hey they are testing they there is a list of banned substances and these guys who for my money were were just naive about what they were uh, buying and I don't think they were you know kind of intentionally trying to cheat. I don't think they were cycling and uh, just do it, doing steroid cycling or anything like that. I think they want, they bought some oh, I, I, funny. And I still remember the name. I think it was, it was a uh, jungle jungle, something uh, the, the, it was some kind of uh, supplement that they bought and they, they got suspended. And, and uh, you know, that was, that was pretty crazy. This is going a little back a ways, but that's the only incident that, and, that I can remember. And I've been covering the league since 99. So if it happens, then I think it'll reopen the conversation. Uh, yes. Uh, next question comes from Alex Rachubinsky. Both of you, favorite fast food restaurant. What are you ordering? Is this the same guy asking multiple questions? You just ask good the... questions, man. When you ask good questions, you, you get multiple questions. That's the way it works. Uh, oh, there he is. Yeah, I guess. Um, favorite fast food restaurant. I'll let you, you answer that first. Uh, I'm going to probably say Filiberto's. It's a Mexican restaurant out here in Arizona. Okay, fast food means like a chain, not just one restaurant that no one's heard of. Come on, they're all there's like twenty of them in Phoenix, and they're also like in California. 20? Okay, fine, 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 fine. Here, 20? fine. Here's one. That's not fast food. Here's one. Restaurant. Here's one. In and out. Is that safe? That's, that's a good. That's a good pick, there, buddy. That's a good pick. Thank you. Um, what, what's yours? Uh, I gotta say KFC, man. I, I can't. I can't stay away from the stuff. Interesting. All right. Uh, next question comes from Charlie Ray. How much would they have to raise the league minimum in the next CBA to make a difference? Is an issue with the players? Well, the minimum salary, uh, you know, that's a good question. That's a good question. Um, that's, you know, when you say make a difference, what do you mean make a difference? Make a difference in players just being able to, uh, you know, it, they the minimum is more than it used to be, right? I mean, it'd be great if the minimum was like 75 or 100, but at a certain point, you look at what are they competing against? Who are they? Who are they trying to? To I think the the market dictates that the the minimum. And if USL and NASL is not paying, uh, if those leagues are, are are paying, just hypothetically, I'm just throwing numbers out. If USL and NASL are paying twenty thousand, twenty five thousand, thirty thousand uh, as their range, then like why should MLS go from forty and fifty? 
up to 7,500,000 minimums, right? I mean, it'd be great. I mean, it'd be great if all the players could make that. But, you know, from a business standpoint, what, you know, it's going to take the market pushing the minimum up, not just MLS saying, you know what, our players should be able to, you know, live well and, and, and live like professional athletes. So let's make that guy who's the third goalkeeper. Let's, let's give him a hundred thousand dollars, which is what starting goalkeepers made five years ago. So, uh, the minimum, hopefully it goes up. Let's say 50 as a baseline. 50 is a minimum would be nice. Uh, I think it, it, it'd be a good kind of uh, a good boost. Uh, but you want to see the whole cap go up. Whole cap has got to go up. I've been saying 5 million. Uh, I think anything less than 5 million is kind of disappointing, to be honest. That ends the SBI Q&A, Ivis. Uh, also, Fred Turk, I don't need to read your question. Your question made Ivis and I laugh, so thank you. Uh, anything else, Ivis, that we need to talk about before we close everything up? <laughs> we tried, we tried, we tried to make the show shorter, and I think are we under one thirty? I think we're I think at one twenty four fifteen. That's like actually, that's if like, you add thirty seconds for tech, because you know thirty seconds for your for your stupid music they always put in the beginning of the show. We're actually <laughs> at one twenty four fifty five right now. That's fine. We're un- we're going to be under one thirty. That's great. I mean, for me, I don't care how long it is, but I know there are people who do not like the long shows. I obviously have also heard there are people who love the long show. So we're, we we just have a lot to talk about, folks. It's tough to jam it all in an hour. Um, we, hopefully we can start getting better at that. But then again, we haven't even started doing interviews again. We're going to start. I know we say it all the time. Hopefully we're going to start doing interviews soon, and then that's going to make them longer. Hopefully we get into the three-show week rotation. We haven't quite pulled that off. We almost could have done it this week, but I, I, I'll admit I kind of backed off on it. Uh, maybe starting next week we'll do it. Um, Next Tuesday, I'll be in Philly for the Open Cup, so maybe we'll do the post-Open Cup show. We'll see how that goes, but uh, I think that's it, man. I think we covered a lot of ground. I agree. I agree. All right, Ivis, we'll, uh, I'll let you go. This feels weird ending a show at normal time, so I, I don't know what I know, to say. It's, it's usually I say go to like, bed, but I mean, I know you're going to stay up for a few more hours and keep working. This is like a five hours earlier than normal, so it's great. Yeah, it's kind of strange. All right, Ivis. Well, look, you and I will converse again on Sunday. We'll recap the weekend. I'm sure there'll be some American Broad news to talk about and, and everything else that the SBI show covers. So, Ivis, enjoy your weekend. Yes, sir. You too. Thank you, Ivis. And uh, for everyone listening, thank you. Thank you for the views. Thank you for the comments. The SBI show will be back again on Monday morning. This is the SBI show.